Welcome to the Front Lounge. This episode is brought to you by the Congos 1929 Winter Tour. It starts January 9th. Uh, head to congos.com slash shows to get your tickets right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Front Lounge. Um where the Congos brothers and their trusty sidekick Colton discuss all things uh, throughout the universe. We're here to talk initially about uh, the addition of fitness to our tour. So get ready for some promo. We're starting in January 9th on the winter tour for 1929. Uh, pretty excited about that. We had we have fitness on every tour because we all work out, but this is the band fitness. These are um, a great group of guys um, you may recognize the singer from Eve Six. He was the lead singer of Eve Six, Max, and uh, Kenny from AWOL Nation. They've put together this new outfit. And um, super cool guys. We've had them on the podcast, actually. And we're really excited because it's going be to be fun to tour with friends, you know? Yeah, so we'll likely get them back on the podcast sometime before then to just chat and talk about yeah. everything. That was one of the most fun podcasts we had because it went everywhere. Yeah, they're, uh, Kenny's hilarious too. Well, Who we're plays drums? I haven't met the drummer. The drummer, I believe, also was the drummer for Eve Six. Oh. Yeah, uh, <coughs> you've seen them play. I've, we've not met him, but I've seen them a few soon. times now. They keep they. We saw them maybe uh, when they first started a, a year or two ago. Yeah, and uh, they're really they keep getting better and better and tighter and tighter. Drummer's great. Um, yeah, where we saw them at the resident downtown mm-hmm. opening for Big Data. So there's only three of them on stage. Yeah. There's only four of us on stage. That makes for a super quick setup and tear down so that we can have more time to chill and Well, hopefully. Kenny texted me, he's like, Hey, is there an opener on this run? And I was wondering why I was asking. He says, oh, I'm just i I'm just working out my gear stuff. <laughs> so maybe yeah, okay. maybe because there's no opener or local, he's gonna be like He's a gear nerd like, yeah, bring like all us. His gear. So he's probably gonna have racks of stuff. But it's still. I've seen his stuff. Even his big setup is much nicer yeah. than some bands. They're actually, they're actually going to be traveling on the bus with us. So we might do a couple front lounge podcasts throughout the tour in the actual front lounge. In the actual front lounge of the bus, where there's really no choice but to talk to every. You know, it might not just be us four in fitness. It will be us and Colton and Mick and whoever wants to chime in. Maybe Peanut Tony, the bus driver. Will be joining I want to do a, 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 a daily vlog where we we kill Kenny each time. <laughs> oh, someone's who said. Uh, bus driver we definitely have to try and get Tony oh yeah onto a thing because <laughs> yeah. if you want stories holy shit that dude's got stories um, so yeah we'll try and set that up if he has any spare time in between driving us through the icy winterscapes of Canada yeah so, All right, so one, once sorry once again tour starts January 9th ends February 17th um, we go all the way up the West Coast. We travel across Canada. Um, we're hitting most major cities in Canada. We come down the East Coast, some parts of the South, um, and then back to the West Coast again. So there's 27 shows total. Um, grab your tickets. There's VIP packages we're doing, uh, similar to the last two tours where there's an acoustic performance, like a 20, 25-minute um, private acoustic performance for a very limited amount of people. So get your tickets for that. Um, yeah, there's, the, we're getting the a top few tier. The top tier VIP is really cool this year. In the past, we've done some kind of custom guitars and other stuff, but this time, Johnny has literally by hand designed these posters that are specific to each city, and uh, he did them on his iPad Pro. And nobody knew he was an artist until we started to see these, and they look so cool. 
that I, you know, I'm saying like, we got to use this look to like, to reskin all our socials and it's such a cool look. Um, this sort of art deco stained glass kind of thing that he's got going. So check them out that we've put some examples on, on the website and on our socials for you to see That's these are literally only how many, a few like per city. There's going to be a limited amount per city. Yeah, well, specific the top, to top the tier of VIP gets one. Everyone gets one. And then whatever is left over, there's going to be maybe a handful left over in each city that will sell at the merch booth. So as he, soon as those sell out, they're gone. And they won't be printed again. There's a million-dollar tier, and Johnny will cut off one of his ears and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> what was I hear? I heard about Van Gogh lately. Maybe it's just a comedian talking about it, but everyone's, you know, <laughs> mythologized this, you know, artist. But he basically was just a stalker. Obsessed with a girlfriend I, or something. I don't that's know why the he cut his story. ear. Off. I thought he was just. I thought he went crazy. I, I don't know. We, the, I think he cut off his ear. I think he definitely went crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like you dedicate your life to creating art that revolutionizes the world of art, and you cut off one ear, and that's all anybody <laughs> talks about. <laughs> um, he's a, he was on something because if you put uh, if you put his pictures his uh, pictures his paintings in um, black and white, there's like no contrast. So he, he was weird how he saw colors or something. If you, there's no all of the the luminance of all the colors was all the same. Huh. Now, is Starry Night is the one of the famous ones that's huge, yeah. right? I mean, there's contrast in that one, but a but lot I, of it's different. But it's huge, like physically. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I actually have no idea because <laughs> I forget who I was talking to. Some friend over the weekend who was really into art. No, I thought you were saying Monet's were big. Yeah, Monet's are huge. I don't think the oh, Van Goghs are huge. Van Goghs are not huge. Yeah, one of them where you're expecting to see, like, you know, in your head, because you've only ever seen it online in a thing, but you're imagining it as this, like, 12 foot by 12 foot massive mural, but it ends up being like a square, you know? Well, like yeah. the Mona Lisa is tiny. Yeah. I mean, the, the Getty, the, the one time we went to the Getty, they had um, Rembrandts, and you walk around the whole museum looking for them, thinking, oh man, where are these Rembrandts going to be? And they were just, it was like three little paintings. The little postcard-sized paintings, yeah. Rembrandt. Rembrandt. So, um, a few other little announcements to get out of the way before we dig into the meat of this podcast. We got uh, a new single coming out on, no- is it November 27th? Yes. Um, I believe double, that is the date. We'll check that. Yeah, <laughs> we, will, we will confirm that. But it's, yeah, basically within a week or two Two weeks. Um, and uh, we're knuckling down to finish the album so that there will be part one of 1921 to 1929. Um, shit, we've got no edits on this podcast. I don't know why I had 1921 in my mind. That's embarrassing. 1929, it's our album title. <laughs> part one comes out uh, with the tour. So you'll be able to have that f- um, full part of the album uh, next year. Colton, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your coffee there. Good, good. Just uh, finishing breakfast here. I just <laughs> got in from Phoenix. He was drinking a coffee. That's actually a game I have with Colton now where I try to make him laugh when in the middle of him drinking something. Yeah, I haven't spit all over the living room yet. <laughs> just uh, in Danny's room when he's gone. <laughs> make sure he's in front of the uh, the keyboard. There aren't too many chances because Colton drinks a cup of coffee over the course of a week, pretty much. You, like, you go down to the coffee shop, you get your cup of coffee, and I see it there sitting there like every day. <laughs> a yeah. few sips are taken. This is true, except my tolerance has doubled since I've been here. So like two, yeah. uh, two cups a week. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I'm actually doing a cup a day. I'm doing pretty good. Oh, a cup shit. a day. Yeah. They've got sure you. Blue isn't drinking your coffee. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He hasn't been talking to me lately. <laughs> I take it as a personal insult that he goes to Javista every day when there's such coffee snobbery in the house. Like we've got four or five different boutique sources of coffee here. Danny's got all his new yeah. Greek and uh, Egyptian coffee. I know. I go to the coffee shop occasionally, though. Yeah, and no, I get the ritual, like just getting out of the house and yeah. not living like a hobbit is that, nice sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's a really funny coffee shop, too, because you just hear the, the most stereotypical L.A. conversations you've ever heard. Everybody's always writing a script. They're yeah. always talking yeah. about... Yeah, you, could, you could see especially young male actors who have recently moved here. Yeah, talking who, loudly about this thing they're working on. Yeah, and they, but or even if they're not, they go there and sit outside by themselves. And you can just, I, I don't know, there's something you can just pick up that they are constantly shifting their eyes to see if anybody's looking at them, if anybody's mm-hmm. going to notice them and put them in a... The next so ABC could, uh, sitcom. If I could write, though, if I was capable of uh, writing, I would. I can understand why you go to a coffee shop because you. It's just you know you don't. You probably actually can focus because if you're stuck in your house and you've got your own distractions around you, and you you can walk around to you know and do all this stuff, and there's nothing. You need that right level of stimulation and kind of distraction that kind of titillates you enough so that you can then work on the thing. Oh yeah, there's no way. louder noise than the ramblings of your own voice inside your head mm-hmm. when you speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> um what are, oh art uh, we were talking about art i went to see a piece of art that's i guess very well known in la and i've always seen it on like things to do in la and i've been trying to live a little bit more like a tourist and you know take advantage of like the city that i live in so we went and drove down to the watts towers down in watts which is uh, kind of south south la and there is this these towers, these intricate towers with tile work and concrete structures. Colton will throw up a link to them. But this Italian guy moved to California in the 30s or 40s and then spent 35 years building this thing. Like, just like, can you live in the towers or what? No, it's just, it's, uh, you can walk through some of them. They're under construction right now. Um, so you can walk on some of it. It's very fragile and they're, it's always under reconstruction because it's, basically always crumbling but it's become such a well-known landmark that it's now a national historical monument and it's basically just some crazy i don't mean that in a bad way just like some weird dude who decided he wanted to like my little ipad things for 35 years in the real world it's just crazy doodles and i'm not saying that they are just doodles but they kind of look a bit like he's like well put this here try that there and it just went on for 35 years so it's Mm -hmm. really cool to see What's the, um, the cathedral in uh, Madrid the, or Bar- Bar- yeah. Basilica, whatever? In Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd say it's, it's like it's a smaller, mini much smaller mini version of that, but this is just the one yeah. guy. I think that one's you know, been a project. With yeah, but it was, still, on it. it was still one. It, he was directing it all and working on for his entire life. They're still working on it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they opened it. Um, well, oh, speaking of L.A., the fires have been crazy here i you know we're we're out of danger here where we live obviously but um, we know people who have been having trouble up there it's and it's actually insane you know i I, from what i heard the northern california ones the campfire has been worse it's been thousands of homes destroyed but here i mean this ashen falling in the air uh, it's it is kind of post apocalyptic, and it gives you an idea of what could you know if something really bad like that happened in L.A. over a length of time. It's just insane the destruction it causes. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it uh Danny and I went down to the beach and looking back on it, you couldn't even see LA. It was just covered. All you saw was smoke. And then I was out surfing this morning in Venice and another fire just started. Where? Or it's at uh in Malibu. Huh. Like well, Kenny actually from Fitness posted a picture today. He lives in Thousand Oaks ish yeah. area and he posted a picture from his backyard of a brand I think it's part of the same fire but a brand new area yeah, has kind of gone area. up. Was, he didn't when I got any, out there it? this morning there was nothing. I was like, "Oh, it looks like it might be getting contained and all clear. You could see all the way to Malibu and then 20 minutes later just an enormous looked like, you know, like a nuclear bomb went off. Smoke started going up. Did you see Aaron posted that his studio got burned? Aaron from AWOL Nation? Yeah, jeez. Man, that is <laughs> there, we can all relate to that. That's heartbreaking yeah. because this you're you're the gear, your studio is like once you invest in that and you get attached to the equipment and the sounds and the art that comes out of it, you know, it's like your babies. <laughs> Some of it's yeah. yeah, it's not replaceable. You know, you can probably buy another uh Martin whatever, you know, D twenty eight guitar. But not the one that has either you know you've written you songs a song on or you've uh, has been passed down from the family. Like that's that's pretty. And they're only at what twenty percent contained as right now as we're recording this. It's insane. I always think of Fred, uh, our good friend, uh, family friends from South Africa, and uh, he built a game farm. The game farm that's in episode um, six is it of Bus Call? Yeah, it's the one we go to, and. That whole game farm washed away in a flood. And I remember on the day, like an hour after it washed away, and everybody who, we were all there. We got evacuated and stuff. We moved up to a different lodge. And we were talking to Fred and said, man, this is fucking terrible. Your entire lodge got washed away. And he just said, yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll rebuild. And he was in the mud, turning over vehicles and working. And he just had this crazy attitude of it didn't really, it didn't affect him in a, in a normal way, you know? And it's not just because he's rich and all that. It's just because he's that kind of guy. He's like a. I think that's probably the vast majority of people do find some kind of strength and resilience in the face of that. As long as you've, it's not like a life or a loved one that you've lost, mm. which could obviously be just devastating forever. But you know, I think most people probably do think, oh, fuck it, I'm going to rebuild or you know, redo it. You look at the, the great disasters that have yeah. happened and the kind of courage or that grows out of that it's, it's always it's kind of a nice reminder occasionally to see uh the good side of human spirit come alive especially uh, given his uh his past and his you know like the, all the actual suffering he's been through i guess it's all in in relation to that well it? also there's it's the reality of nature it's not like you can ask ask for it back <laughs> like well could, could something come and just you could another another flood and bring back the fridge and the <laughs> guitars and the pianos and the reverse lodge, flood. Yeah, reverse flood. I've always wished that you could negotiate with pests like ants and just come to some kind of a treaty with them, where you where you allow them and like they can cross certain parts of your house. That's take so. Care why of, are you talking about this? Because I just you know I that guy know. Darren Brown, the kind of um, mentalist or <laughs> not mental. What is he called? He's an illusionist. He's a, yeah, he was on uh, he was on Joe Rogan and the, he was he was talking about. Some other guy who wrote a book about um, exactly that. The, he was in some village and this uh, little old lady would go out every day and um, give some rice for the spirits. So he followed what she was doing and what she was actually doing is laying a food trail for ants. So it was a negotiation with ants <laughs> that she would feed this food, you know, they would feed the ants and keep them on a certain trail so that they didn't come into the house and destroy all the 
all the food they were keeping there. Oh, so well, they, I meant actually sit down at a table with them, like in yeah, you got to give them something though. <laughs> I mean, every negotiation starts with you got to bring something to the table. <laughs> I know I've saw a documentary or some show about these people in Australia, probably Australia. Let's just say Australia, where they had positioned spiders around their property outside and even inside in certain corners that they are either non-moving spiders as you know as in they live in their web and they don't move mm-hmm. and they that was their pest control and apparently it was very 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 effective if you could get past the fact that there were fucking spiders everywhere huh. i could never do that were but they poisonous it, to humans i don't th- i think they i mean they knew what they were doing with them so if they yeah. were they knew that they would never leave their webs i think because there are some spiders that basically just don't travel Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, fuck that. But it apparently worked. You know, their house was free of other pests. What are the yeah? That's what that I, movie, that documentary, arachnophobia about those big spiders. <laughs> when I was in Mexico, in that little, there was like a little eco lodge house. Um, they had these enormous spiders, and I didn't know what they were, and I didn't like internet connection was pretty bad, so I couldn't figure out what they were until I, I talked to the host the next day. And he said, oh, no, no, they're fine. I forgot what they called them. But they're like, they're, they're like those are good spiders. Don't leave those alone. They'll, they'll get everything else in the house. But they were massive. They, were, they looked like huge brown recluses. So for the first in night. In webs or on the walls? Anywhere you look, yeah. like on your bed. <laughs> where, where was this? In Tulum. Oh, oh. Huh. Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about that aspect of the game lodges in South Africa. It doesn't matter how much pest control you do, how well you seal the place. There's no way to get rid of all the spiders and other sort of insects that just... Or the ants that are the size of spiders. Yeah. So they have like mosquito nets around all the beds. But still, as soon as it gets dark, you go into your lodge, your room, and without fail, there'll be at least one or two big scary looking spiders somewhere and uh, then you got to switch the lights off and go to sleep you know <laughs> and yeah. you just don't it's better just to, not to think about all the things that are crawling around that's, it's those nice that you have those dreams about spiders i don't know everyone must have had those dreams about like millions of spiders yeah, yeah i've that, had yeah. Spider that's the only dreams. recurring dream i think i've ever had is is just millions of tiny spiders on my pillow yeah and i've, I've <laughs> punched the wall you know i've just punt waking up. I don't know what punching is. It's not going to do anything, but in your dream state, you just punch Punching stuff. the spider. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> I'll tell you one, not related to spiders, but one thing about these fires is that they, they bring out uh, the best in a lot of people. You see some videos of people, um, you know, just banding together and trying to save a house or bring supplies and stuff, but they also bring out the fucking worst in some people. Like I mean, the, who? Like the, the president? Well, yeah, like the president. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot. Um, and... It, yeah, and then other people that are like tweeting and saying, "Oh, thank God it's the liberals, and thank God it's oh, you know they're they're rich, they can burn up." You know, it's like such a strange. It's um, mostly not. Response. I mean, it's, that's a weird response because it's most of the houses that are burned. Yeah, down. there's a it's lot of like there's a you know the Malibu portion is is tiny compared to the campfire. Yeah, and, and even in Malibu, it's a lot of farms and yeah. a lot of. Um, horse ranches and stuff like that. 50 people have died. Yeah. And then the other most bizarre thing that I've seen is these videos, which are, it's they're crazy to see if people is, you know, escaping the fire, having to drive through them. But then it's really strange to see someone who's alone in their car, so they're filming themselves and driving at the same time and driving through a tunnel of fire. And I'm thinking, why the fuck are you filming? 
Like, it's not as important as getting out of the fire alive. You do it for the gram, bro. It is. It's like the the idea of being able to post it on Instagram is more important than their life. I get... I I mostly agree with you, but if that person was called a journalist, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Like Anderson Cooper, you know, all those dudes standing in the middle of hurricane winds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, yeah, leaning against the... That's my favorite footage is uh, that reporter saying how strong the winds are and then the two dudes just walking behind him <laughs> casually in shorts oh yeah you sent that to me it i couldn't believe that it was real that yeah it was hilarious they have a third a third camera perspective of a guy on a newsreel doing the weather report yeah. and he's in gale force winds and then the camera just pans over and there's two guys in shorts and flip-flops kind of just strolling by and the guy's <laughs> literally acting like he's been blown by the wind for the news it was yeah. that was fake news <laughs> Um, what else? What else have we been up to? Colton, how was- yeah, let's just do a plug a bus call thing here. We're going to do our own advertisement for our own shit before we do a real advertisement. Go watch bus call. It's, uh, the views are racking up and, um, people are still finding it. So if you haven't watched it, it's the best thing we've ever done. It's eight episodes, um, showing our life and our story and life on the road. And you get into the stories of our crew and the music business, and uh, we're very proud of it. So make sure you go and watch that. It's on YouTube, on our channel. Tell your friends about it. And if you want to get a um, taste of the new single that's coming out, go watch episode four, right at the end. Watch the whole episode, but in Europe part one, you'll you'll hear the song. I'm not going to say the name of it. And we're back for those of you that are hearing ads. And if you would like to not hear those ads, head to patreon.com slash congos, and you can listen to an ad-free version of every single one of our podcasts in addition to various clips and exclusive pictures that we put up just for our Patreon supporters and subscribers. And, so, you, and in doing so, you support the podcast and you support Colton and his cracker habit. Most importantly. And uh, let's do another bunch of questions from Patreon people for the month of November. I think we did one last month. So if you're listening to this, throw up any questions other than what's it like to be in a band with brothers because we've answered that question conclusively in <laughs> episode, best, eight. Yeah, episode 8 of Bus Call. So, yeah, throw up any questions you actually have. Try and make them interesting, and we will try to give you interesting answers. And we'll answer them, what, next week? Uh, yeah, let's do next week we'll answer. So you've got a week to think of some questions you'd like to get answered, and we'll ch- let's, uh, do those on the next podcast. Um, someone sent me a link to this TED talk video of this lady uh, she was a neuroscientist i forget it was a a specific term for the what area of neuroscience she was in i'm just gonna say neuroscientist because i didn't really know what it was um and she was getting ready for work one morning and started feeling like she'd lost communication with the right side of her body she was having a stroke basically Mm -hmm. but it was a very (laughs) slow acting stroke and she describes the difference between the left and right hemisphere in terms of what they do and that the right hemisphere is the kind of non-temporal and the everything's very open. There's no sense of time on the right side. And she had a hemorrhage in her left side, which is the thinking about the past, connecting it to the future, like the logical or what we, what we typically call logical side of the brain. And she's had this happen to her. And it took her a while to realize what was happening because she immediately just started basically tripping, feeling like she had, you know, her soul or spirit, which is the word she used, 
just went into this massive space where she had no sense where her arm ended and where the wall that she had fallen and kind of leaned on. Mm -hmm. Eventually, she went in and out of this, of her left brain coming in and out of kind of consciousness and realized, oh, fuck, I'm having a stroke. But then she simultaneously, because she's a neuroscientist, had this like, holy shit, this is amazing because how many neuroscientists get to experience what we were all studying right. from the inside out so uh, I'll send a put a Colton a link to this to to watch it but it really brought up some interesting questions because her kind of takeaway from all of this was that we should spend more time trying to connect with the right side of our brain so with she she kind of went spiritual for lack of a better word without going spiritual sure. she just acknowledge that there were these two massively different perspectives of the understanding of how you could perceive the universe. Uh, and she experienced that by having one side of her brain literally shut down because of a, she said it was a golf ball sized clot hmm. that had just formed. Took her eight years to recover now to where she's fully able to speak and, and walk and that. But, you know, so, so did she permanently have a bit of that state? For, I, mean, or, I don't know. The way she described it is that she's at the very least retained some kind of visceral memory of it and is able to, she appeared to be able to or encourage people to try to connect deeper with that right side and i'd imagine that having kind of seen it isolated mm. you could you could uh, experience it better the same way when you were listening to a mix if you solo out a particular little uh shaker part you mm. can't go back to not hearing that better when you go back did she have uh <clears throat> like methods of Trying to connect to She didn't right get into that. Brain. She just had, it was a fairly short TED talk, basically ending with the idea that we spend so much of our time living in this left brain sort of thought. And I hope I'm getting the hemispheres right, but whatever it is, left or right, yeah. uh, of trying to constantly just make connections between the past and the future, which is obviously valid. You have to do that to exist in this one form of reality. But her idea was that we should really make conscious efforts to experience the other side of our brain that is clearly there as mm. a scientific fact that, that it experiences in that way. And it would actually lead to more things that we generally reserve for conversations of, of a religious or a whatever meditative nature that it would bring about more considerate and uh, peaceful, loving universe sort of shit mm. if people just spend a little more time not focusing constantly in this typical way of thinking. Well, I mean, I've heard people have always distinguished, said, you know, the right brain's the creative side and the left brain's the logical side, and those are probably not accurate distinctions that they're making, but this temporal thing sounds interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're generalizations, but I think they, they do. Yeah, I mean, both sides participate in both, in, in everything a bit. Yeah, but, but the they, way they she do described control it was different hemispheres of the body. The way well. she described it was that the right brain was like a parallel processor, on a, if you're in a computer analogy. I don't as know in, what's... I, as in, I think, able to process multiple things oh, simultaneously. The left side is a uh, serial processor, as in input, output. Like huh. a piece of information comes in, it gets processed through, and it comes out of a, a different chain. That's probably a radical simplification of it, but that was the way she kind of tried to describe it. So that would mm -hmm. explain why on your left side everything is... Like flowing in one direction and is associative. I heard some well, scientists talking about this idea that um, perception of space and time evolved as a survival mechanism. And I can't fucking wrap my head around what they mean because evolution is a thing that depends on time. 
that even the word def- depends on your uh, like a it t- depends on the axiom of time being uh, linear and forward. So how does something evolve in a timeless out of a timeless space? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this didn't make any sense to me. Is what I'm trying to say. Can you, you like, put, it, put the answer on Patreon, please, so that you can figure this out? Like. Well, the I mean, the Hindus or yogis have been talking about these hemispheres of the brain for thousands of years and how to stimulate them through um, certain breathing techniques and alternative breathing techniques. Like I think it's called Nadi Shodhana, and they um, you your your nostrils have these, or you have a nostril cycles, breath cycles. Um, nasal cycles, what's what they're called, and basically every hour to two, your um, one nostril is dominant, and if you you can test it by putting your finger up to your nose um, and blow out or under, put your mirror underneath your nose, and you'll see that basically you're breathing out of one nostril. You may be breathing in, depending on how you're breathing, but you're breathing in between uh, both nostrils, but you're breathing out usually of completely out of one, and there's very very few times where you're breathing out of both, where it's switching over. Um, but they describe the differences between which nostrils dominant and which hemisphere it's activating and which activities are best to do while one nostrils dominating. Um, and they're starting to do actual studies on this to, to see what, if any of it was true. And I, I mean, I think they'll actually find that a lot of it is true. Um, but especially with balancing the, the nasal cycle, they've already seen results in terms of just in terms of, um, your, your brain waves in creating i think it's uh theta waves or we're creating a calm state for uh more peaceful experience emotional regulation you know um hillary clinton said she did that too yeah after uh, after losing the election to calm herself down yeah now it's become like a fad yeah yeah. if you look up (laughs) alternate nostril breathing it's become like this you know how to balance out your life and your chakras with alternate nostril can, breathing, and it's become uh, this bullshit, you know, fad. But it, there's actual. I can totally see the LA yoga crowd, you know, implementing this in their cocaine use. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, depending on uh, which nostril is dominant, uh, that's where I don't snort the coke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, don't don't they have prescriptions for when to basically have sex on where like you shouldn't have a sex when you're breathing out of one nostril or something like that there is yeah prescriptions for it every every activity you can think of is associated with a nostril dominance like yeah. when to defecate when to eat right, or yeah. when to have sex when to uh, meditate like is all that shit doesn't make it to the blog post yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the blog posts are usually very very simple and saying do this and you'll you'll feel better and you'll feel peaceful i wonder i mean that's that's a weird excuse for why you can't have sex i'm sorry i can't i can't do it right now i'm breathing out the wrong nostril (laughs) well it's this uh it was interesting to watch this ted talk because i think we talked about a guy called alan wallace on one of the last podcasts and he is a buddhist scientist i guess the best description of what he does he's you know he's got a degree in quantum physics but then has also spent 15 or 20 years studying in sri lanka and tibet and all that and he talks a lot about this idea that the east has this rich history as in thousands of years of studying things that current science is now starting to get to and it's been studied in a inside out direction which is as valid of a direction as the quote western ob- objective or observational science has been that there is another way to observe and that's from the inside out that cannot be 
done other than from the inside out. You know, that you cannot observe what I am observing inside myself. You can look at it and say, oh, your brain, your, yeah. the right side of your brain has got this electrical activity on it. And that's not, I'm not saying that's not valid. Clearly it is. But you cannot explain necessarily the subjective experience I'm having from the inside out. Subjective, objective. Ding, Ding. dong. <laughs> but um, I, uh, but he just... really gets into that, that we've, there's been this absolute discounting of Eastern thought as if it's just like this airy-fairy shit and that for thousands of years they haven't perhaps been onto something, maybe. Right, yeah. <laughs> Every time I get on this subject, I just refer you to my song called I Want to Know from Lunatic. You guys may have heard it um, because that lyrical subject is addressed uh, quite eloquently, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> What's that? So I don't speak to you guys anymore. I just quote my own lyrics and... No need yeah, but for not, conversation. Not eloquently enough. What, what you still, you still end remember. the song with saying, I want to know, I want to know. So, we, uh, what positive take would be, I want to yes. Uh, what, what is the lyric? I can't. What, uh, who's, uh, whose eyes are you going to use? Yeah, it's just about, you know, this, this constant conflict between sort of spirituality and science that seems to go on endlessly, you know, throughout the ages. And a shortcoming of external science, you know, what we would call science where you're looking at the external world is that it doesn't address, like Johnny said, it doesn't address the inner subjective view. You know, who's, and That's mm-hmm. the line, whose eyes are you going to use when you're making these proofs or addressing these subjects? So Yeah, I mean, I think it's a false uh, dichotomy that's been created because the methods of science um, should be applicable to your own inner investigation. They shouldn't, like the actual methods shouldn't be that different different if you're talking about and investigating your own mind that's what alan wallace talks about specifically that there is has been a tradition of what we would commonly accept as the scientific method mm-hmm. but in internal uh studies basically of, of self-observation of, of uh, observing everything that occurs within you from again <laughs> we have to keep using it but from the subjective experience but it's not just like Oh yeah, this is, I'm just like meditating. Like you just is sitting there quietly. Yeah. That there is a method, a very strict and structured methodology that has been developed in various traditions, particularly in the East, to observe this in a very scientific way. Yeah, uh, it feels it feels so obvious. Actually, if you you know you could, you could give anybody a kind of um, prompt, and even just the idea of watching your own thoughts or watching your mind is a weird idea that if you stop and think about it, you realize, oh, I don't really know how my mind works. How There's is it? two of me. Yeah, how, <laughs> how can I watch my thoughts and who's what? You know, it, it immediately opens up all those mysteries instantly. She, uh, and uh, this uh, scientist that I, we started this whole conversation talks about that idea that so often she, fe- she lost the sense of I am that came from the left side of her brain mm-hmm. that was able to distinguish the uh, differentiation between her collection of atoms and a table's collection of atoms, for instance. Hmm. And that another part of her took over, which she, she didn't necessarily value one or the other, that the other side came over and said that her sensation of I am extended beyond what she thought was her was her previously in her physical body but she had because phys- i've had physical hallucinations like that when we were in greece i got i don't i don't know what caused it it could have been heat stroke or i got bitten by something on my arm and it was like swelling up and it felt like i had an infection and i was kind of delirious and uh i had those weird physical hallucinations where my arm felt like it was a mile long and i was totally fine otherwise you know i could 
talk and do everything fine. But I was having these weird physical hallucinations where space was completely fucked up in terms of the, you know, my, if I held my wrist, it would feel a millimeter thin or a mile long. It was, it was hard to describe. Do you get bitten by the arachnocilocybin? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, I was fucking bitten by something. I woke up with uh, some bite and, and I had these weird hallucinations. I, I, had a sim- I think we've even talked about it. I had a similar exact sensation that it's specific as you described when I was a kid and had a, got pneumonia. We were on a holiday with the family and we had to leave because I got you know, very, very sick and I had the same feeling, lying in bed, just feeling like my arm extended to the end of the room or it was this minuscule little thing. Yeah, that's weird. And it, then you, you have, I've had similar feelings with couch lock weed. And I, <laughs> I don't know if it's related, but it's the similar feeling where you just actually feel like you're in the couch. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't had the same exact sensation, but I've had one where, um, the, you know, it's like I became my hand <laughs> where your identity had like a cutoff. It was, uh, for whatever reason, it was, I was entirely my hand. That's the best way I could describe it. Was that at any given point, your identity is an idea that you have. About were you able to clap for yourself? <laughs> you were just one hand. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, didn't make a sound. What was your joke? You came up. With? We were riding the subway the other day for the first time. I've rode oh, the subway here in LA, yeah, and then I, you came up with some idea. I don't know if it was related, but no, yeah. it's not related. But I, I have a joke. I invented a joke. It's um. Why does Neo leave right after sex? Neo from the Matrix, yeah. you mean? Because there is no spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and you said uh, you've not come across. Uh, that's an original joke. I think that's original. I'm very. Uh, you better like tweet that or get some. You know, get some. Uh, can you Google and see if that's original? Yeah. Yeah, you'll like, have to put your little trademark at the bottom of it, and then maybe yeah. you'll get retweeted by. Uh, that's a joke worthy of 1999. Let's do like a 22nd gear of the week. Uh, I want to talk about the Shure SM7. It's a microphone, uh, which we have a few of them that Shure has provided with us, provided us with. Excellent microphone. Uh, we've been recording this album, and we're getting to the finishing stages of it. We've uh, we have put like twelve microphones up in the studio, got them all over the place. Room mics, amazing preamps. Like we're really taking care in the way that we record the drums. And then yesterday, I just wanted to try an idea, so I just through the SM7, like, pointing kind of randomly at the drums just so I could try an idea and recorded it. It sounded fucking better than, like, all the other mics combined. For, for that. For yeah, that sound, yeah, it's yeah. a very, spe- it's a specific sound, so it doesn't, it doesn't do everything. But it is kind of annoying when you realize all the trouble you've been going through to get this perfect drum sound. And, and then sometimes you just put one mic up and it sounds better than all of that. <laughs> I think it's my favorite mic. I think it's the best... Overall, Mike, yeah. I mean, everything. It's good enough for vocals. Michael Jackson's vocals. So you can use it on guitar cabs. You can use it on bass cabs. You can use it apparently on drums now. You oh, <laughs> I didn't know Michael Jackson used that for vocals. That's what I use for vocals. On some stuff, yeah, I use it for vocals. Same with if you. Metallica like, uh, also uses it though. So uh. <laughs> no, that's that's. Oh, they used a fifty-seven and an SM7 on that on the Black album, but the vocals. I don't really like metal because it, the vocals just sound like somebody garbling fucking darkness. But the that Metallica album, are, the vocals are incredible. The Black album. That the, we use it on the accordion also. In fact, a lot of the good accordion sounds we've gotten, I think, are from bad recording techniques. <laughs> mm. In because, fact, I think because we should sell our studio and just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go rent a five hundred dollar a month actual studio apartment, and we'd have 
just as much <laughs> luck. Um, speaking of, what did you say? Gar- garbled darkness. Mick, <laughs> Mick has Mick, our front of house engineer, has all these Scottish sayings, and he came up with one the other day. I don't know if he came up with it, but uh, we were talking about um, Alanis Morissette because <laughs> he saw her at a festival. And, you know, and he was he wasn't being critical. He's, he he likes her. You know, she's an amazing performer and singer and stuff. It, but he said that her singing sounds like she's gargling gloss. <laughs> <laughs> and I just it just seemed to kind of click. It seemed so perfect. You know, just the way she sings. <laughs> he's always got a phrase for everything, and he's, we probably talked about this as well. But he he dulls them out in periodically, so it yeah, just seems know. like they're endless because you've known him for we've known him for what four or five years. Something like that? Yeah, spent, spent longer, months yeah. and months and months together, and then there's always a new one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like a one... Jason Jen, had the uh, other one where um, we were sitting at a red light, and the runner for the festival, uh, it turns green, and, and uh, the guy in front didn't go. He's just sitting there, obviously asleep at the wheel or something. And Jason said, if that light gets any greener, it's going to puke. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a... <laughs> that feels like like an Indiana saying or something like just some. <laughs> There's a guy in Phoenix uh, called Todd Chuba who's an old friend of ours and is the if Jesse is a self-taught drummer, but if he learned from anybody, it would have been from Todd. You know, you kind of hung out with him and he would just give you tips and tricks and just yeah, te- like he's he, basically a teacher, but I not consider a, him a mentor. Yeah, so he went to ASU way back in the day, long before we did, about fifteen years before us, and. The same teacher that I had there, a guy called Chuck Moronic, who's an amazing piano player and teacher, was there. And when I was there, he was a very nice, sweet guy. But we heard legends of his the old days where like people, the kids would come up and play a solo, and he would just fucking rip. He's them like apart. the Simon like, Cowell of yeah, jazz just, teachers, <laughs> and they were probably a lot better then because like everything wasn't all nice. And he said to Todd that every time he took a drum fill, it sounded like someone was throwing a kit of drums down a staircase <laughs> yeah. and that stuck with him and that's like lost to 25 years that uh, diss of his drum fill <laughs> well now with some avant-garde jazz drummers you know they, they spend years perfecting the drums drum uh, set down the staircase sound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jim Bl- I like Jim Black he's a great and his a lot of his fills sound like that but they sound intentional they sound yeah. like he threw them very well down a staircase he's the master of that uh yeah completely all over the place stuff that a lot of people try to mimic and it sounds horrific but when you see him actually do it you see why they're trying to mimic it i was um, looking at my notes for i i think it might be on my computer i keep a list of mix little one-liners and phrases and stuff every time he says one i i go oh, fuck i haven't heard that one before and i have to write it down so i can remember it but it's not on my phone <laughs> I have a, I have a, a, a no. Oh, and so. he, it's someone when someone's fucking crazy. So she's she's nuttier than squirrel shit. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is uh, <laughs> it's always food related. If something is not well cooked or dry, it's, it's drier than a nun's cunt. <laughs> it's just fucking perfectly phrased. Um, the Scots have just got. The one I've never one of understood. My favorite senses of humor. I've never understood the one um, where, like, he can't get a, a plug in or something like that, and he'll go, "That's fucking tighter than a whale's arsehole. And I just whales' arseholes must be 
Huge. <laughs> I've never understood that one. Relatively, though, they're tight. Yeah, maybe. maybe there's some. I think some of it is It's just sound humor. Yeah, that yeah. sounds funny. It doesn't have to make sense. You, you ever know, try to put a dork in a whale's butt? <laughs> <laughs> is that what a dork is? Yeah, a whale's penis, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's offensive uh, to whales. <laughs> Any t- we should not use that word, dork. That's offensive. Oh. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Because I have to go uh, look at an apartment. This one's a, a studio apartment. They want sixty thousand a month, <laughs> and uh, it does it does have a sink, but it's outside. So mm. I'm pretty excited. All right, guys, it has um, parking down the block uh, for two dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird hobby you've got looking at apartments. Yeah, I'm loving it. Just <laughs> just loving it. Um, all right, guys, uh, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to head over to our Patreon page if you want to help support this podcast. That's patreon.com slash congos. Tell your friends about bus call with your mouth over a phone call or in person, as in don't just tweet about it. I mean, do tweet about it, but it's much more important that this comes via true kind of friend-to-friend connection, I think, because that'll make the deepest uh, connection to it. So see you next week. And also, before you go, grab your tickets for the tour. Oh, yes. uh, this is going to be a fun one. We announced fitness. Uh, it's, again, six weeks around the U.S. and Canada. Um, some of these cities are selling really well, so you're going to want to get in there and get your tickets before they're sold out. Other cities like uh, Texas, you can you can uh, pick it up a little bit. <laughs> you guys you guys are a little uh, slow on the pickup. Yeah. Um, I'm very disappointed in you, Texas. Yeah. Very. All right. Is that, is that, do you think that'll work, like a guilt trip? <laughs> well, we'll find out. <laughs>